You're listening to the Intama Podcast, where we help you to generate new growth opportunities for your firm. Intama is not a financial advisor, and the contents of this podcast are for information purposes only. You should consider seeking independent legal, financial, taxation, or other advice to check how the information relates to your unique circumstances. This is your host, Ray Jarney. Hi there, everyone, and thanks for joining us for this podcast today, where we're going to talk about and consider why you might want to think about a managed account solution for your business and for your clients. So managed accounts, what are they? For a number of you out there, you might be a little bit confused what the industry or people mean when they mention managed accounts. And in fact, there are so many different acronyms and names for different types of managed accounts that it can get a tad confusing. But before we look at whether or not you should consider one or why you should consider one, it might help just to talk a little bit about what a managed account actually is. And look, quite simply, managed accounts are just an evolution of the unit trust managed funds and fund of funds that we've all been accustomed to for so many years now. And essentially, they enable retail investors to own, to have beneficial ownership in the underlying assets or stocks that may be in a portfolio, and typically by way of some sort of model portfolio. Uh, They're typically offered through uh, a managed investment scheme, potentially, uh, which might be known as a separately managed account, or they can also be offered as a managed discretionary account or as through an MDA that you might hear people talk about. And as I said earlier, there are so many different types of acronyms and forms of managed accounts that at times it can get a tad confusing. But essentially, you will have heard the terms SMAs for separately managed accounts or IMAs for individually managed accounts. <clears throat> and there's even other terms like UMAs, etc., that get, get thrown around from time to time. But essentially, they're different types of managed accounts Uh, with different sort of working features and and functions, but pretty much come from very much the same overarching architecture and concept of a managed account. So while managed accounts have been in Australia for some time now, in fact, you know, dating back to at least the 1990s, uh, they did take a while to, to really to take speed in Australia and took a while to take off. And there's a myriad of reasons for that, but I don't intend to go into that in this particular podcast. But if you fast forward a decade or so, and there's clearly a lot more demand and support for managed accounts, both from financial planners and dealer groups and licensees, and increasingly more and more from clients. So there's almost not a day that goes by where uh, someone within the industry or in the trade magazines or at certain conferences don't talk about a managed account and what it could mean for your business. So I suppose the first question as a a practitioner or as an advisor or as a principal of an advisory firm that you really need to ask yourself is whether or not a managed account solution is right for you and is it right for me, is it right for my clients, is it right for my business? And I suppose there's, as we'll do in other series of these podcasts, there's probably a difference between just using a managed accounts solution for your clients that might be available on through your licensee's approved product list, for instance, 
or it could be available on a platform that you're using. And you may use that as you would any other investment alternative or option for a client where it's in their best interests and where it makes sense. Equally, I think some of larger firms um, are looking at managed accounts almost as a way to not only give what is a better, potentially a better outcome for clients, but look at how they can utilize the managed account structure to help them actually build better businesses and to be more efficient and so on. So now we have a situation where in the marketplace, there are many, many uh, SMA offerings, for example, separately managed accounts uh, available on most of the uh, traditional platforms that you might you might use as an as an advisor, and a number of uh, licensees and dealer groups are allowing advisors and offering the option for the managed for a managed account offering to be part of the approved product list. Um, so so you know the choice is is growing every day, but let's look at what the benefits might be, and to do that I'm going to talk about maybe. To look at from two different sets of eyes. So one from the client's perspective and then from the advisor's perspective. If we think about clients, and let's face it, we shouldn't be introducing almost nothing into the business or anything into the business if it's not going to one way or another lead to a benefit or a better outcome or a saving of time or something for our clients, be that a saving of cost, be that a much a richer service. So I think it's critical that we always start from the client first and really ask ourselves, well, what are the benefits of a managed account solution for a client over and above what you might be offering or what they may be accessing today? And the first benefit is really about access, and it's access that a client can get to a growing number of professionally managed models, uh, and that number grows every you know, week or month. The other thing that managed accounts or give a client is greater transparency. So really it's that added transparency they get and an ability to customize portfolios that you can customize for individuals. And by that, what I mean is the transparency comes at one level firstly, which is if a client through a managed account, an SMA for instance, is investing in direct equities in Australia, Australian direct equities as an example, uh, typically what they will see is they'll have much greater uh, transparency of the actual companies that they're invested in. They will see it on their reports, they will see it on the platform, because they are, through that model, actually buying and investing into those particular companies. Unlike a unit trust or a managed fund where the client typically sees that they hold units in a in a managed fund or in a trust. They have some idea of what that trust or managed fund invests in. Uh, there may from time to time be examples of the sorts of companies that they're investing in. But actually, in that example with managed funds, the client doesn't really have a great level of transparency as to what they're actually invested in. The other thing about customization is quite interesting because through the managed account uh, structure and also through the use of some of the later technologies that you need to apply in these platforms to make managed accounts work really well, you can basically apply certain filters to a model portfolio. That might be an ethic, ethical filter, for example, where 
certain investors or clients just don't want to be investing in certain types of companies because of, say, ethical reasons. Or it may be actually blocking out or locking out a particular stock because that individual or that client um, is prohibited from um, investing in that stock. Uh, For example, a lot of professional uh, professional partners from some of the audit and accounting firms uh, typically are not allowed to invest because of their own independence rules and restrictions in companies that they audit. That's one example. Or you might have a CEO as a client who is a CEO of a publicly listed company, and he or she may either be precluded from investing in that particular stock that they're a CEO of, that particular company, either because of blockout windows, uh, times of the year, or they may actually have such a large exposure to that company already by virtue of their employee options that they may not want to then also invest in that in that entity or in that in that co- company uh, through their passive investments outside their family investments. So managed accounts allows you through some of the neat technologies that are there today to actually lock a particular company out, it might be a major bank, for example, and replace it with another bank, or to not have a certain type of uh, company at all. The, there are also potentially uh, tax benefits because the vehicle itself can offer a more tax-efficient structure um, than, say, a unitized trust structure, uh, which can allow advisors and clients to more effectively manage their tax positions. So that could be as simple as um, a client uh, knowing that they have a particular tax position in a current financial year, uh, either requiring more capital gains or not requiring uh, particular capital gains. And so if you were to sell a particular stock in the model that was going to realise a whole bunch of capital gain, then you could um, exclude that sale for a particular client through some of these uh, investment structures offered in the managed account world. Um, equally, you, you franking creditors is another good example of clients who are relying on income where uh, with a managed accounts uh, structure, the franking credits flow through to the investor because they are the beneficial owner of those particular assets Uh, Let's take Australian equities, for example. Uh, They would flow immediately to the investor when that dividend is paid and when that dividend is received. Whereas in some unit trust examples, those uh, flow-throughs of franking credits don't happen till later on in the financial year. So there are some potential uh, tax benefits uh, and and some customization benefits. Uh, What I would say, though, is just as a as a word of caution there, is not to overplay that too much because one of the, one of the benefits of, of having a managed account structure, which we'll talk about in a minute when we get to the benefits for the advisor, is the use of models and how that makes more effective the execution of changes and, and rebalancing across your practice. Now, clearly, if you end up having every second client deviating significantly from the model itself, then I suppose that brings about the whole question of whether, in fact, you are running a model portfolio approach for your clients. So, But the important thing is that, that that opportunity does exist and 
it's easier to do that within a managed account structure than clearly it is if you are completely invested through managed funds and through unit trusts, where beyond your holding in the unit trust, you actually have very little control or say in how that money is managed or when capital gains might be realized, for instance. The other potential benefit for clients is around this issue of transaction costs, uh, where because of netting of positions through a managed account um, and the changes to rebalancing, transaction costs can be more effectively managed uh, and, and can be lower in, in, many, in many cases. The next benefit is one of beneficial ownership, where the, the, the investor in a managed account, your client, ends up having um, beneficial ownership in the underlying asset in many cases, for example, in equities. And therefore, they hold a beneficial ownership in that underlying asset. Now, again, that's one that we need to um, be careful not to overstate because that is only as much as to the degree that that particular type of investment or asset class can be or should be accessed directly through the managed account. So what you'll see in a number of managed account models is still the use of managed funds in various asset classes where the asset consultant and or the advisor have, have come to a decision that actually to, to access enough diversification or the right sorts of assets in that asset class is very difficult to do directly. So they still therefore adopt pooled investment uh, structures like a unit trust. Uh, but clearly where a, a client is invested through a managed account and that model has exposure to, let's say, Australian equities, then they hold a beneficial ownership in those underlying companies and stocks. And increasingly, uh, more and more providers and advisors are looking at whether or not they can access international equities or global equities for that matter uh, directly, and hence that same uh, benefit of ownership could apply there. And I think the final one that I've thought about here for clients is one of just generally a greater connection. Um, in my experience, uh, when you're dealing with clients, when advisors are dealing with clients, and if those clients have a direct beneficial interest in, say, property or in shares, um, they tend to have a much greater connection with that investment. Uh, in the case of property, they, they go out, they see it, they feel it, um, and they can see that they own something. Um, not, not that I'm suggesting that all property ownership should be directly, that's not my point. But clearly, when they own uh, a share in BHP, for instance, or Commonwealth Bank, or Telstra, or whatever company it might be, there just seems to be a greater connection for them with that investment, as opposed to... Uh, uh, owning, let's say, a unit in a managed fund uh, that then owns a whole bunch of different companies. So they're, 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 they're briefly the, uh, the benefits that a managed account solution can provide to clients. If I then think about for the advisor or for the advisory firm, um, there are also a number of benefits that, that come about if you were to adopt managed accounts as part of the way that you offer investment and portfolio management to your clients. The first one is, is um, quite simply, uh, efficiency and effectiveness. When you look at the way that advisors need to manage portfolios, manage investments within those portfolios, um, clearly a structure like a managed account uh, structure, one that, one that adopts models, makes that process 
a lot easier and a lot more effective. And you particularly see that when it comes time to rebalance your client's portfolios or when you're executing changes in the model and and or across a number of clients in your practice. Um, When you're using, for example, a separately managed account, or in fact, even if you have a managed discretionary account set up, uh, the client has already agreed by virtue of the the parameters and the guidelines in the PDS for an SMA or the boundaries that you've set under your MDA license authority that you're going to act for them within certain parameters. And so what that allows you to do is to be a lot more proactive and to be a lot more timely in your response when you feel that there is a need to rebalance the portfolios or if you believe through advice that you get from your asset consultant or from research that a particular asset class is becoming overvalued and you'd like to therefore in your model reduce the exposure to that asset class. To do that, if you're not using a managed account structure and you have lots and lots of clients that are individually invested into managed funds and other investments, you clearly need to find a way of doing that timely way and executing that. But the other problem that that brings about is that in most cases when that's happening today, advisors have to either send out a record of advice or depending on a scenario might have to do a statement of advice. So one of the efficiencies you gain by using managed accounts is by avoiding the need in those examples that I've given to issue a separate statement of advice or a record of advice, um, which really makes helps you to be a lot more proactive and to manage your client's portfolio on a timely basis. And so what we're actually seeing, what I've experienced firsthand with the clients that I've worked with, is that um, through the uh, innovation of new technologies and platforms and through the adoption of the actual structure of a managed account and the use of models and model portfolios, that whole process of delivering advice and making changes to clients' portfolios is really streamlined. Once the client's portfolio is invested into, say, an SMA, then the mal- managing that portfolio becomes real-time, you know, as a client's can, portfolios can then be discretionary managed uh, without, as I said earlier, the need to issue out a statement of advice or a record of advice. So that, to me, is one of the great uh, features or benefits for an advisory firm. The second one is, and it links to the greater connection point, but it does allow the advisor to be, build a deeper investment and portfolio management service. You can start to deliver what I believe is a much richer service to your client, both in the, in the way that you, you support them um, around and provide the advice around the managed account. Um, for instance, there's the connection bit that I talked about earlier, where clients feel and can have greater transparency so they feel a lot more connected to their investments. But the other thing the managed account um, allows you to do, but actually you need to do or makes you do, is that you need to be better at communicating with your client about what's going on within the managed model. Now, if you're using someone else's managed account model, uh, someone else, some, some provider's SMA, some provider's separately managed account, then typically what you're finding is that they are providing these sorts of commentary, this sort of update to the clients invested in their models on a more regular basis, explaining to them why they've taken certain positions, why they've made certain changes. And in my experience, clients really like that. Um, Even if a client um, isn't a do-it-yourself client and wants an advisor, in my experience, many clients like to still be informed and be involved to a degree with what's happening 
So while they don't want to do it all themselves, while they don't necessarily always want to give you instructions to do things, it does help uh, if they are engaged in a way where they can see what's going on and understand why certain things have happened. So that's one of the, that's a real benefit. Um, and what it, the other thing it does for advisors is if you can get the managed account solution humming and you've got these this support mechanism where clients are getting communications, you know, on a relevant and re- regular basis. And, and because of the efficiencies that you gain in the back office, it gives you time to free up a bit, a bit more free time to really start to look at and, and, and free yourself up so that you can look out for some of the client's other advice needs. And finally, the, the other really big uh, benefit or advantage of managed accounts uh, for clients is that there is an opportunity to grow your revenues and build greater capital value in your business. Now, this does depend a lot, I believe, in the role that you're playing. I think that when managed accounts were first uh, first sort of promoted around the industry, some advisors, I think, saw it as a very simple way or a very quick way of just, um, dare I say, clipping another part of the value margin in, by way of some sort of margin or fee. But I think if you're actually not doing anything for that fee, uh, that's problematic and that's not sustainable. But in the firms that I've worked with and what I've seen work really well is that there are a number of firms where having their own managed account service is justified and they actually uh, play a big role in in, uh, forming the investment committee up, in uh, creating that, in setting the agenda for their models and their investment philosophy, in appointing a professional asset consultant, for example, and meeting regularly and, and coming to what they believe is the uh, their position on those portfolios that they manage. That has a lot of work that goes into that, a lot of cost that goes into that for the firm. And I think in those, um, those instances where the advisory firm is playing a genuine role in overseeing and running the managed account service and playing a genuine role in determining, say, the asset class mix, the uh, design of the portfolios, and then the management, the ongoing management of the underlying investments, uh, be it instructions to professional managers who run those, then I think there is a legitimate role for them to charge a fee for that. Clearly, that fee needs to be competitive and market uh, market competitive, and it needs to be uh, the, the whole service needs to be in the client's best interest. Uh, but there is an opportunity to do that in certain instances, in, in, and and where that is the case, then clearly that grows helps you grow your revenues, but it also helps you to grow your capital value of the firm. Uh, because now you've got another revenue stream or a higher revenue stream. And in over and above that, I think that as, as managed accounts uh, play their part in delivering an efficient service and a rich service to your clients, as I said earlier, it allows you to free yourself up a bit more and keep your eye out for other advice opportunities, which in itself can create more opportunities for you to provide really great outcomes to your clients which invariably means you can, you can charge them an advice fee. So that also helps you to build your revenues. So look, managed accounts um, are something that could be something that you should be uh, considering for your clients and for your business. And then I think in summary, if I, if I, if I end on this note by saying that the, uh, the real benefits for your clients when you compare a managed account to say a traditional managed fund offering is professional investment management and access to owning the underlying assets, transparency, greater transparency to view the underlying investments, 
And the ability to customize those portfolios, be it excluding stocks or filtering for things like ethical filter, potentially avoiding some embedded capital gains tax, and the ability to net off transactions, which can aid in lowering transaction costs. And look, for the advisor, depending on how you decide to access managed accounts and what legal structure you decide to employ, be that a MIS structure as an SMA or be that a managed discretionary account through an MDA license, these can help you to offer a much deeper and richer portfolio investment service, which can be backed up and supported with you know much more regular communication and commentary pieces that help you to better engage with your clients and keep them informed. It can significantly improve your back office and your ability to make real-time changes to your clients' portfolios through the models and pretty much at the press of a button. In the, in the clients that we're working with, we, we're now seeing the benefits of this as we move from uh, quarter to quarter and investment committee to investment committee and how, how quick and easy it is to make changes across a number of portfolios. That then ultimately frees you up and gives you more time to focus on your client's broader advice needs. And as I said in my last uh, comment earlier on, where you do play a genuine and legitimate role in overseeing and implementing the managed account solution itself, then there could be an opportunity for you to increase your fee revenue, which in turn improves the capital value of your business. So thanks very much for listening and I hope that was valuable and look forward to chatting again soon. Mm -hmm.